Hi, I'm Ken Sweeney. This is The Comfortable Spot. Welcome. Today my guest is contemporary artist Claire Murray. Based in West Yorkshire, Claire is internationally renowned for her wide range of artworks which evoke multiple reactions. Her concepts deal with light and colour as an open window and allow the viewer to draw their own conclusions while appreciating the simplicity of beauty. What drew me to Claire's work was that it seemed to be created from many different approaches and I wasn't surprised to find that Claire has experience with other forms including photography, stitching and collage. We had an open and honest conversation about art and how it is perceived in an ever-encroaching digital environment, which can be daunting for those who seek originality. Claire was a wonderful guest, so I hope you're sitting comfortably and happy to stay with us. Hi Claire, how are you? Thanks for joining me on The Comfortable Spot. Hi Ken, I'm uh, very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good and I'm so happy to have you because I was um, on the lookout for somebody of your style and I was going, where can I find this? Where can I find this? So I'd had to spend a lot of time going through a lot of people that I either know or kind of finding new artists and I came across yourself via uh, your website and I began to notice the work that you've done on Twitter and so on. And I have to honestly say, I'm no expert in artwork, but I guess I just let, let my eyes do the talking. And when I saw your work, I was kind of going, I really like that because I kind of felt from a personal point of view, it's the sort of thing that I would like to see if I went into, say, somewhere where I can, say, a hotel or, or a restaurant or even in my own home. It didn't seem to um, be kind of subjective to... A particular style or a particular statement and as I looked through all of your work I really got to like it more and more and I was going oh, this would be amazing it would just brighten up your whole house so I don't know if that's what you were looking for when you when you when you put your stuff online for people to look at well Ken I mean that's music to my ears and, and any artist will tell you that you want people to engage with the work you know whatever style you've got or kind of work you make um, whether it's very commercial or very academic, I guess, and all about the ideas, um, is you you want it to be noticed. You don't want people to just like walk past and, um, you know, have a glance and then walk on. And so it's wonderful to hear that, you know, you can connect um, in such a, a visceral way with the work because I think that's really um, key. And I mean, my motivation's never been to um, just please people. Some of the work is challenging and, you know, it takes a lot of viewing. You go back and you go, look, go again and you look again and you see another layer, a bit more depth to it. Um, so the longevity is quite important uh, as well, you know, that, that people can get more and more and more out of it. Um, it's not like instant art, if you like. Um, so yeah, that's it's lovely to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, what I find about it is that it's kind of timeless, and there's it's versatile in the sense that you could go through, say, some of the one that some of the artwork that you have on your landing page, for example, and you could see something like, say, pushing through the earth, and then say, well, where would that be really nice? And then you could have it kind of in a in a in a you know very high class restaurant, but you could also have it in the sitting room of somebody's house, and I think. It, it's being versatile, it would probably put across two very different meanings if they were in those circumstances. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, the, the accessibility is really important um, for me. The the sort of 
elitist art world, if you like, where you look at a piece of work and you, unless you have the code or the language to be able to decipher what's going on, it excludes the everyday viewer. And it's 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 a very fine line between doing something which is giving all the answers, making it really obviously just decorative, for example, you know, like something that fits in with the decor, you know, it's nice colours, um, and something which has a lot more depth. And to as an abstract artist or semi-abstract, if you like, to be able to get, get that balance is very important for me. So um, I don't make it too easy, but at the same time, I like to think that people can... Um, you know, whoever walks along can find something to interest them or, or, or to invite them in, um, a depth to it or um, something lurking within the layers. Because I do a lot of work where the, the uh, process is layering up and things get half hidden and half revealed. Um, so it's really nice. You know, it's good. It's it's good practice for me to try and straddle that um, that audience between people who maybe are in the know, if you want to call it that, and the ones who come along just because they they like art, but they're kind of scared of it. You know, and there's nothing to be scared of. It's it's there. It's for everyone. But I think what, what one thing commercialization has done and kind of globalization has done for artists is that it's opened up a huge amount of new avenues for them in terms of where they can get their work portrayed and, and, and shown and sold on. Absolutely. I mean, the internet... Um, it's just a fantastic tool to be in charge of your own, you know, to, to be autonomous, really, um, and to be able to find an audience, another audience, you know, build your audience um, and other practitioners. The downside of that, of course, is that there are literally thousands and thousands of artists out there. And it. I think it's very difficult for um, perhaps the average consumer or buyer potentially to to work out which is quality and you know which there are so many different kinds of artists there's an audience for everyone don't get me wrong you know at every level I think people should make art and be able to sell it and show it yeah at every level but it's 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 so vast that it's quite yeah it's a minefield really as to who sits where and you know, one online gallery might be very different to another online gallery. Um, uh, and it, and it's, there's a lot going on with um, NFTs, their non-fungible tokens, which is like a license to own a digital imprint of the artwork. And I get, I get approached every single day with the same pat, you know, scam um, email about purchasing and I ignore them all because um, they're all scams it's the same message from different accounts so there's there's it's a bit it's a bit of a minefield and I think trying to navigate it um, as an artist you know you're in charge of your own marketing you're in charge of your own sales and um, yeah everything so it yeah it's 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 a great thing to have to be able to just put like I finish a piece of work I take a photograph and Instagram it um, but the the other side of that is that, well, you know, you can't, if you put too much out there, it cheapens it in a way. Thinking of overexposure when you said that. Exactly. And I think a lot of artists do that and they get more followers because the more you post, the more Instagram puts you out there and then you get more, you know, more interest and stuff. But, but millions of likes does not an artist make, you know, you have to do the hours in the studio and 
um, and release the work in a nice sort of, I mean, it's not considered the way I do it because work comes in fits and starts and that's how work goes. But um, I, I, I think you've, you sort of have to manage yourself in a professional way. And, you know, the more you do it, I guess, the more you realize that you don't have to show every single line that you draw you know you can you keep things back and show the things you want to show essentially yeah and i'm just wondering just before we we we, we go into some of the basics around your work um have you ever thought say of doing something live in terms of when you're creating the actual artwork rather than the finished article does that is that does that have an interesting element to it no i'm not saying like you put a live stream of yourself for the next seven hours but if you take snippets of it and just show how it's created does that is that something that you've ever thought about doing um well it's a really interesting question because uh i did do a, i've done a couple of demonstrations um in the past in in front of a live audience um and i did a paint off with another painter actually and we were both back to back couldn't see our easels and we both painted in front of an audience and then sort of compared it uh, at the end um and it's a really interesting exercise and you find what well, i found that I, I like to think and reflect during that process and i like things to be <clears throat> sort of accidental as well so elements sort of collide if you like and come together sometimes it's very hard to well it's always hard to do that but it's with an audience, you, um, I found it because I've been a teacher as well for a long time. I, I was kind of talking to them about what I was doing at the same time. So the element of consideration and thinking can get a little bit, um, it's very crowded, if you like. You've got to think, you've got to reflect, you've got to speak. So I was a bit, um, it was a different process, put it that way, and, and and the kind of work that came out got to a certain point. We only had an hour actually for that particular demonstration, but um, but if I had a studio, if if I was set up in the studio to do a time lapse picture uh, film, I, I might I, you'd see a much more honest process, you know, from start, middle to to end. Um, but there's something also quite uh, nice about again in the digital world where everybody's doing videos of themselves all the time making things it, it there's a nice to keep a bit of mystery as well about the process so i wouldn't uh, like to show everything oh yeah and i agree and i think as you said there if you were, if you were going to attempt something like that it would be quite short you'd be talking maybe a minute like the beginning hmm. fade away the end sort of thing but it's just that i i when i thought of when i was looking at your work i was kind of thinking of the creation process and how you do that and it would be nice and interesting to sit back and just watch that coming together but obviously i'm just, as a, as a lay person i don't know anything about the amount of time that it would take and you know it's, it would probably be a very un, very unpleasant situation trying to do that i'm curious about what inspired you at the very beginning because you're saying that you were a teacher so um did you develop your your unique style over a period of time or was it something that you had very earlier on and i'm just wondering did you did you really think at a very early point that you wanted to do art uh yeah so there's a few questions there and um the I always was very good at drawing in that in in the seventies when I was young I'm in my early fifties now and um, when uh, when we were at school you know you were good at art um, if you wanted to carry on and basically you know they didn't kind of teach you art like they do now um, so I was just always good at it and um, it was a natural progression really to then go on at university. Um, I, uh, I'm from a, a very 
working class background and it wasn't something that my peers were considering doing. Uh, but my dad uh, was always just, yep, she's going to art college. And I, I didn't really understand what that meant when I was seven, but he 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 knew it was um, the right kind of future for me. Um, it's quite hard. It's been hard as I got in my 20s to to take it forwards because I was torn between having a proper job, if you like, and um, and allowing myself to be poor and creative. And so I sort of uh, did lots of little part-time jobs, a bit of teaching. I did some prison teaching at one point um, and um, voluntary work, anything just to get to get by so I could carry on. Um, and um, and so eventually I did get into teaching. I was, I was about 30. And... Um, and taught at a sixth form college for for 15 years. And it was through that process of teaching others and learning how to do everything as a teacher, because you have to do 3D, um, photography, graphics, you know, painting, drawing, everything, mixed media, collage. And when you demonstrate in front of a class of 17-year-olds, you have to know what you're talking about in every single way. So... I uh, would always practice, make uh, sample sketchbooks, that kind of thing. And then when it came to demonstrating in the classroom, um, I, I just ended up with with bags and bags and bags of, of resources of my own ideas and artwork. So that sort of um, kick-started, if you like, a secondary practice um, after the years of st- as being a struggling artist, really. Um, and... Um, and that was the the best, probably the best uh, education in art that I had. I, I'd done a degree in an, M- an MA, um, and the work was was quite um, conceptual when I was working on the MA, um, very conceptual. And I'd stopped painting actually for the second part of that course. So the 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 teaching was a um, an integral element of, of um, developing as an artist. And I think really all artists develop over time because. Though I did abstract painting in my um, degree, which was like 30, 30 years ago, um, it's nothing like what I do now. And the, I'm just saying, I said it's nothing like it, but there are elements of textures, for example, I was looking at then. I was looking about the um, environment, the landscape. Um, but in terms of technique, um, the techniques developed and refined uh, throughout the years and and even though they're abstract, they're not, they're very considered and they're not, um, you know, the paint's not thrown on, if you like. Uh, it's, it, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, and I think, I think I'm still developing and I hope that I'll carry on, you know, that I, the idea of finding, oh, yeah, I'm here now and I can do this and I can do it again and again and again, that hasn't happened to me. I'm still thinking every time I paint, you know, right, what's this going to be? What's it going to look like? I have no idea. Um, and so there's always an element of learning that goes on with every piece. And I think that's so important because if I stagnate um, and stick to a style because it works, that's kind of like becoming a production line. And to be truly creative, um, I want every piece to start from nothing and become something without following a, a, a pattern or a formula, if you like, that I've done before. So it's very, it's really important that you keep on developing.
you said that you went away from painting for a while and you kind of explored, I saw that you were exploring, say, photography and so on. So did you have a favorite medium for that from that time? And like, would you go back to that and maybe to get some reference points or even inspiration? Oh, definitely. Um, I loved doing installation work. And as part of my master's show, um, we did two shows at the end. I did it part time. So we had a first year show and a second year show and both shows were um installation and there was one piece i loved and it was a there was a painting so there was a small 50 by 50 centimeter painting and then that related to a wall hung sculpture uh which was made out of uh, mud rock and wire and that was painted as well so it was a kind of painting come sculpture but it was wall hung so like sculpture is usually something that you walk around you know and explore that three-dimensional aspect. And then there was another piece, which was a found object, uh, and that was hung on the wall. And I'd cast part of that object, and the casts had fallen off, and they were on the floor. Uh, so it was like a bit of poetry for me, uh, so a different visual language going on between all of the pieces. And and some of them were handcrafted, some of them were painted, some of them were moulded, and some of them um, were found. Uh, and I loved that because it created a dialogue between, an exciting dialogue really between um, the different elements. And it it was a very, um, uh, like I said, it was co quite conceptual. So it it brought up questions about, um, really elemental questions about our existence to me. I don't know if it came across in the piece. It was very experimental, but I loved it. And and even now, I mean, I I still do teach and. Um, uh, during lockdown, I did a, an on, a little online group and we, we we were just reaching out every week doing something different. And it brought a lot of new things um, out again, you know, that I tucked away somewhere in the past, like wire, sculpture, um, uh, little tiny bits of textile work, textile combining with paint, that kind of thing, stitch. Um, so there's lots of potential for, for bringing things together. and and I, rather than drop the painting, which I couldn't ever do again, um, it would be a case of what would go alongside it, and how could I, how could I engage with people, you know, with the same ideas perhaps, but in a different medium or a different um, kind of uh, style, uh, and and so, it, and I think that's the thing about being a an artist, which I class myself as, rather than a painter. Um, because it's not just painting that I'm doing, it's all the thinking um, that's behind it. Uh, and it's just finding different ways to express those ideas. Yeah, it's funny because when I came across you, I never considered you just as a painter. And ah, it's now that you've said that, it's kind of, it makes sense because I was trying to look for somebody who has a little bit more feathers, if you know what I mean, to their cap, even if they have one ma magical plume, so to speak. And it was, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it was, in, it was interesting, you know, that you had spoken about being involved in photography and film because um, I think that we, through my own colleagues and friends, um, although some of them are pushing like 30 or 40, 50 now, but even I saw them when they were in art college or it's known to maybe just after they'd graduated and they always seem to have these different elements to just being say a painter or a conceptual artist or somebody who's interested in installations like one lady i know she's involved in installations 
but she just happens to be a fantastic photographer. And, you know, she doesn't see that as as her main line, but she just enjoys it. And because she enjoys it, she brings it into the installations and they really add an element that probably would be lacking, you know, if it wasn't there. It's a wonderful, I mean, I, I do think it's such a gift to be able to, to, to do that because if I, you know, ever found myself running out of paints or or if I'm somewhere traveling and I haven't, you know, brought the right thing, it doesn't seem to matter. I can make art out of, um, you know, a plastic container if I wanted to. It, it, you pick things up and go with it. Um, and it's this absolute basic need to create. And it doesn't matter what you're creating with. You know, I like cooking and I think that's a similar um, sort of thing although as I've got older I've got a lot more slapdash with that but yeah, um, exactly. it is, yeah, no it's, it's funny it's, I, I'm very I'm real love to cook I really do and I do most of the cooking at home here and the kids are always sad you know but when it comes to presentation I'm really poor my wife's always at me saying you know you need that to look a bit better even though it tastes really nice. But I tend to, as you say, just slap it on the plate and, you know, whatever. Um, you talked about briefly there saying that you had a group online when during COVID. And I was just wondering, um, and maybe we can use it as a general question as well. You know, when it comes to blocks, do, do you suffer from artistic blocks? And a lot of artists seem to suffer from a serious artistic blocks during lockdown because, you know, it, there was a real stemming of creativity, getting out and getting inspiration. And I'm wondering, first of all, do you suffer from those sort of blocks? And if you do, was COVID an issue there as well? Uh, yeah, again, good question. Um, I don't really have what you'd call blocks because I always think that, that the, the thinking stage and the reflecting stage is a really important part of the process. So even if you are stopping to reassess or change direction or whatever a little bit, um, it's not, a, it, I never think of it as terms as a problem. You know, it's more of a, um, it's an essential part of, of what you're doing. Because if you were to just carry on, carry on and carry on and you never stop to look back or look at what you're doing and think about it, um, then you, you you won't progress. So the I think the block is actually a really, really important time. Um, and and if, if you're stuck, you know what what i tend to do is i just do something so i'll just get some paper or some paints or some anything and just play and um the idea of playing um to to inform the next step without any kind of pressure uh, is essential um so the 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 most amazing things happen when uh, like i was saying before about not having necessarily all of the um, tools that you're, you know, to hand. Um, sometimes that can push ideas for you, so you, you limit yourself, and therefore you can make some big, big jumps and leaps forward. Um, so that, yeah, the um, the block, the block is good. In COVID, uh, at the very beginning in the in the March April time, I actually, and I think this is probably common with everyone, whether they're artists or not. Uh, I found myself really in a fog. I was completely didn't know what to do, you know. Like, and I think we were all in a bit of shock about about life in general. So I don't think it was just uh, about the art. But I did find that um, I was just coming into the studio and looking around, and then going out again, and I didn't know what to do. Um, and I think that there was a thing about you know wanting to do things that were meaningful um, with time, you know, like. And, and everybody was watching box sets and lots of things like that. But I, I didn't do that. I just was kind of 
mooning around in the studio until I sat down and just started doing. And I think we all just need to do sometimes without much thought. Um, and I did put the group together, the online group of people that I'd taught before in real life, um, friends that I knew who were interested in art, but they weren't at work anymore, so they could maybe have a go because um, they were all on furlough or whatever. And um, that little group, we just met once a week to start with. And then we met more often and it grew and grew. And it, it wasn't huge because it's a private group. It's not like I put it out everywhere. Uh, I didn't really want to, to make um, make hay out of, I, don't, I know everybody else has, but I didn't really want to make hay out of the, the COVID situation. It was really a, a way to reach out to people um, rather than make, money out of it so it was a, a small a small thing but we just explored so much every week um and that helped me too because i was again getting things out of the box that i'd left uh you know left along the way um like different different approaches and and communicating it online is a whole new challenge like you used to in in class you know you do a demonstration and then you have the rest of the session with the students to go around and work individually with people and see what they're doing and assess what they're doing you can't do that when you're on the screen and you can't even see what people are, are doing along alongside you um so that's been a fantastic learning curve and i actually love teaching online and i still i still do i've got course um a new course coming out this later this month um, on still life, we're just going to explore expressive, ab abstract still life together. Oh, it's great. It's and, and and I think that helps me. It distracts me a little bit from my studio work, to be honest. But it's um, it brings me some joy as well, and uh, and I enjoy it. It's a bit like looking out a virtual window, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know maybe you can stay on the digital age for a moment? Um, what we've seen over the last year, which has been phenomenal in the speed, is the creation and distribution of artistic work via AI and I'm just wondering about how you feel because in terms of say I, I would look at your work as progressive and up to date and very kind of in in terms of what we are around we're experiencing in our world today but you still have traditional methods so um, those traditional methods you have to work hard for them you have to train you have to educate yourself you have to get the right teachings you have to practice 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 right but when you look at what's happening with AI, it seems to be getting all of this love. And when I look at it, I see to myself, well, that's not, where is that coming from? You know, where's the individual elements? Who's, you know, who's learning? Like you were talking earlier on about the process that you've gone through, how your working class surroundings influenced you. And then you had to step away for a while. You went back and all of those things were like building that pyramid of your art. And eventually when you got to a point now the pyramid is there it can still be built on but there's still so much depth and so much grounding to it but when you look at ai regardless of whether you spend seven or eight hours creating an image online i don't see that kind of depth and i'm just wondering what you think is it something that artists artists maybe should look at embracing or do you think it's going to be a an awkward situation in the future i'm not a dinosaur in terms of I'm not anti-technology at all, and and you know during the years, I well I'm now you know I do I pull out the tools in the toolbox, and it might be Photoshop or a pencil, you know they they all um, come together and you know add things to the process. But the problem with the AI approach, especially, is that though obviously artificial intelligence learns as it goes, 
apparently. Um, it hasn't walked in the glen and it hasn't got wet in the rain on the top of Ben Nevis. Um, it hasn't looked at the carpet patterns when they were three years old sitting on the floor. It doesn't feel the textures of life. Um, it hasn't had I, an it, argument. It hasn't, no. <laughs> and even if you put those all in, hasn't had an argument, absolutely. Even if you put those ingredients into a into a computer and ask it to give you out something, you'll always get... Um, you'll, all, you'll only ever get... Um, a sort of facsimile of what that means, you know, to a computer. It, it completely lacks soul. So it doesn't have, like, there are things that I can say about how my life has, you know, impacted on the work and who I am and stuff, but I can't put everything in there. And even if you plugged a USB port into my brain, um, the, the the feelings of how somebody having made it with their human hands wouldn't be there. I mean, I'm talking like in the future there, but, um, it, you know, it, it's quite scary for the artist to think that, um, that, that things will, might become so homogenised that nobody has a clue anymore about what's good quality and what's not good quality. That's a, that's a great, that's a great point. Claire and actually I was thinking about when you were saying that is that I thought to myself is that you could run this risk where everything just becomes so bland I think that'll happen and and I know that using Photoshop and other sort of enhancement tools you know I can I can do a load of paint splashes scan them into the computer overlay them change the colors change the uh, transparency and Bob's your uncle I've got a really exciting piece of digital art but I could do that over and over and over again. I could then ask the AI to do that over and over and over again. But what's the point, really? I, I, I can't sort of see beyond the instant gratification of it and and it becomes decorative again and then you're back to that, what's it, you know, what's it about? Um, it's too easy in, in many ways. We also run a risk of forgery. You know, that that's um, the that, other thing that I was concerned about when I see this type of work. And the fact that in the end, I mean, do you actually need a an artist at the end of the computer working it? You, you perhaps don't. Um, I, I was quoted in an article recently on the BBC, actually, by um, a, a, somebody who was writing an article on on AI and design, and um, she she'd actually sent me a, an example, and she'd done a a, a post a, sorry a Christmas card. And she'd asked the Christmas card, the AI, to, to make a Christmas card in the style of Dali, um, of a spaniel going down the hill on a sledge. And, I mean, Salvador Dali, I don't know what he'd think. Um, but, but <laughs> he'd probably was, just laugh at it. <laughs> well, it didn't work. Yeah. It, you know, it, it wasn't really surreal. It yeah. wasn't really, um, it wasn't well painted because it was just a, it was like a cartoon, really, image. Gotcha. of All the layers were the same depth and so on. Well, it just was yeah. like a really bad Hallmark card. Sorry, Hallmark, <laughs> I didn't. But you know, just a, yes. like just a kind of cheesy um, greetings card. And it, so, I mean, I know that was kind of a bit, bit of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing to do, but it didn't. Um, it was very clumsy and 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 blunt way of of using a tool like that. Um, I mean, having said all of this, I just saw an advert for the David Hockney. Um, 
exhibit where you it's the immersive um, experience where you go into the painting and it uh, moves and appears around you uh, it's like a sort of three-dimensional space that you can walk and and I, I think because David Hockney's embraced new technology all the way through his 80s and he's been you know pretty much a pioneer um, of painting with the iPad that kind of thing and so there's there's a definite um, you know there are some really interesting ways of engaging with a with a painting especially which has traditionally been you know hung at eye eye level in front of you on a on a wall vertically not always perhaps but generally speaking that's what we you know we, we imagine we it's about the illusion of some colors and lines and forms and shapes on the wall um so to, to be in an immersive painting um is is yeah it's really interesting it doesn't replace the painting though you Absolutely. know it's just another way of engaging with it well i suppose um, the only thing that we could probably maybe work hard on and it works with people say involved in the media people who are involved in the being art critics writers biographers that kind of thing is to probably ensure that it's going to be with us probably it's not going to go away now but when i said that it could end up being bland that you know people who are who have a job say to highlight the work that you do that they should be put more emphasis on that so that you become something and you know a grand master whereas ai becomes the kind of the, the secondary school element of art you know yeah. and and then yeah. as you say um you know in, incorporating it as a device rather than a leader you know it's it's just there it's a tool rather than an instigator or an or an initiator or inspiration um oh. but it is it's going to be an interesting path i'm i'm sure you'll agree Definitely. Um, I think I think in one way it it makes me feel like that the, there'll be some value to be um gained from having the skills to do it yourself. You know, like if you can draw, if you can paint, if you can sculpt um by hand, then as as we replace perhaps um traditional methods with uh techno, you know, technology. Then perhaps those of individual skills might be seen as being, you know, rare and exotic again. Um, because, like I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of artists out there, um, and it might mean that um, it sort of separates out, you know, like we were take, talking about quality, uh, the kind of bland and homogenous. Um, yeah, I think it, it just gives you more avenues. But I hope that I just really hope that the I don't want to even say it out loud, but the traditional ways aren't lost. That makes me sound old. When no, I no, it, it doesn't. It makes you sound right now. It's just that AI is traveling so fast, you know, yeah. and traditional methods have been with us since, you know, 10,000 BC when, when the lads got a bit of paint off one of the flowers and put it on a cave art wall, you know. So, you know, tradition, is, there's nothing wrong with tradition. Trust me on that one. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Um, you've been talking a lot about that you, you do a lot of art classes and so on. I know it's very hard to put you on the spot here, but is there any advice you would give to emerging artists who are trying to establish themselves in, say, the UK and Ireland at the moment? Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually, I do do a little bit of mentoring um, as well. And um, I'm going to be mentoring an undergraduate student uh, for a few months, just starting when term starts this, this term. And um, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, it's hard, you know, it's really tough out there. And um, as we mentioned before about social media, obviously we've got, you know, when I graduated, there was nothing at all. You, know, you basically had to write letters by hand to galleries, you know, to, to apply for open calls and whatever. 
Um, you had to subscribe to magazines to get information. It was very difficult. So there's lots of things out there now. Um, you know, individuals can set up their shops on Etsy. Um, there's, it's yeah. So you've got this marketplace, um, different marketplaces at your fingertips right from day one. The problem is, is finding ways to elevate your practice. So there's there's a million people drawing. Again, this is not to diminish the quality of this, but there's a million people buying little birds and, you know, selling that picture on on Etsy or whatever. How do you make your little birds stand out um, amongst the other ones? Um, it's, you know, it's a it's a it's a fine line. And I think also you've got to think whether you're in the art camp or the design camp. That was my next question, actually. I'm wondering uh, about yeah. commissioning. So on would that would that be something that you could probably look into as in, in terms of because I know you've done that. You've you've had some commissioned work for I think it was a restaurant you did. And I'm just wondering, is that a good element to involve when you're young and starting off? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think when you when you're starting off, I think certainly in my my case, I had to sharpen my practice before I could expect anybody to buy it. it it's about uh, not about expecting that overnight um, financial success, but about doing the work as an artist, but not a designer. So it's quite different. Um, it's about making the art for me, and I still do that now. So um, it's got my heart and soul in it. And if if nobody likes it, I'm not bothered. You know, it's it's um, yes, it's a job and it's an income, but that's not what's uh, fueling it. But as a designer, so I've done some work um, in the design area as well. I, I set up my own design company about 15 years ago, and. 13 years ago, maybe. Um, and I found that as soon as I had a product, which is something that can be replicated, um, I found that to be, I felt like a shopkeeper. You know, I felt like I've just got to like make that product again and again. And I felt like it wasn't creative. Um, but as, a, as an artist, uh, I'm just driven by this need to make something. So in terms of if I was starting out now, I'd be worried about yeah how I'm going to make a living, and probably do other things while I while I created and perfected that be before I expected to make a a sort of living out of that endeavour. Do you have any projects coming up that your fans and art enthusiasts can look forward to? Is there any projects that you have at the moment that you want to tell us about? Um, well, I've always got lots going on, um, and and. Uh, it's been a bit of a tricky year this year, right? Um, because um, I, I didn't tell you this yet, but but I was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer. Oh, sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's, it's all right in February. I know I just dropped that one in. Um, I'm I'm fine. I'm doing really well, and I'm I'm obviously uh, being very focused and positive and happy. But in terms of planning, my year this year has been really different, and I haven't. Um, plan too far ahead for anything so it's 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 an interesting challenge but for me instead of going into doing things like um, making applications for things and spending all that time writing on the merry-go-round of open calls and um, funding applications I'm not doing that I've just withdrawn from all of that and I'm using my time um, to just concentrate on creating like my best work. Um, so yes, there's 
there's things that are happening, but they really are like, all right, this is happening <laughs> next month. This is happening after that. Um, it's it's not going to define define the work, and it doesn't define me as a person. So it's not it's not a big it's a big deal personally, but it, I'm not making it like a big part of the artwork because it's not the artwork. It's not about that. Um, but I, I've become much more fearless, I have to say, and I think the artwork's getting stronger because of that. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I'd, I'd like to do some more um, solo exhibitions, and that's difficult because that you do have to plan sort of a year or two in advance and committing to something that far in front's just a bit too difficult so um um you know i would like to sort of put it out there that i am really really looking i've got a uh an enormous collection of work that could be could be shown at the drop of a hat and i'm i'm, I'm looking for places to exhibit um you know a collection a retrospective even um you know, if possible. So that's my that's my plan. I've just got to find somewhere to do that. Well, I wish you a lot of goodwill and the best. I mean, it's just amazing work that you do. And, you know, I, I as I said, I haven't been that um, exposed to art where I've seen something and it grabbed me and said, here, look at this. And when I when I first came across your work, that that really got to me in that way. And it's such a positive experience to see your work. And I love the way you even portrayed them. And when you have your own biog, you can see the pictures that you have, the way you do it and all. It's just something that I know I can never be capable of, but at least I can be capable of enjoying it and appreciating it. So, uh, you know, power to you. Thank you, thank you. It's it's very important that you you listen to um, the viewers. You know what people think about your work. Um, even even when you get negative feedback, you know it's it'll all feed into what you're doing. Um, but you, it's going back to the very first uh, question. You know when mm-hmm. when you make something, um, well, when I make something, I don't want it to be just bland or boring or wallpaper. I want it to be engaged with and to be able to do that i mean you haven't seen my work in the flesh so to be able to get that through um you know on on screens if you like that's really important i think i would never have been able to do that 30 years ago well i suppose that's that's an example of your growth as well too can we just talk quickly about um i want to give people an opportunity to talk sorry to get access to your book another world paintings 2017 to 2021 is that still available Yes, that's available on Amazon. Um, so, um, yeah, you just click on Amazon and put in another, uh, another world. Um, I did that. I had a, an agent um, in New York uh, for a couple of years, and um, I just recently um, stopped working with him, literally for the only reason of what I just mentioned about my diagnosis. And I felt the need to be just free of the pressures of international sales I, i'm still selling internationally so that's fine it's not that um you know it's not that it's not happening it's just it was the right time to be on my own um so that i could work at my own speed if you like so he he published that book with me and um and put together it was a kind of very short retrospective but it's a it's a lovely it's got lots of um color photographs in it and it's a really nice journey from um, the sort of tentative stages of the landscape becoming a little bit semi-abstract to where I was um, when the book was published. And it's got me thinking about doing another one, actually, because um, it's travelled again, you know, in the last couple of years. 
Um, like I say, I'm, I'm just developing all the time. So there's still a lot to talk about. There's still a lot to look at um, with the new work since then. So, um, yeah, it was a great thing to do. It's uh, it's uh, the, the, the pages, um, the, the colour, the, the sort of quality of the, the printing uh, really shows the paintings in, in a fantastic light. So you can get quite a lot out of it um, just looking at the pictures and not reading reading the words. <laughs> As you said, it's all about the publishing standard, how good the paperwork is and how good the quality of the paper is used. And it's a fact that I'm sure that was a major thing for you. I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. And it's like, you know, we talk about books like this in terms of, say, oh, it's a nice coffee table book, you know. I, but it's like it's degrading to put stuff like that. And I never, ever, ever, uh, you know, use that uh, analogy for anybody who's published books on their works of art because it's a real personal thing, you know. And you've got to back it up with statements. And, and I'm sure that was what was happening with yourself. Yeah, yeah. It is a really personal thing. You know, every painting that you make, even when you don't write about it and you just put the painting out there, um, it, 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 it's such a it's so exposing you know it's like i put these marks on this canvas um and in a way you're sort of saying do you like it and if if you get no response and it's not just about likes you know like i said earlier it, it doesn't define you if you've got, got a thousand likes on something it doesn't really matter in in lots of ways um but then if, if it's met with indifference you kind of think well you know does this connect with anyone um but you've got to just ask yourself, right, what time of day did I post it? What are people doing? You know, what kind of time of the week it is? And there's so many factors that you, uh, uh, without, you know, you don't know how many people have accessed it or it's flicked upon their screen or or whatever. Um, but the the idea that um, that people engage with it is really important. And they, I, I don't mind if, if my book's on someone's coffee table, if they sit down and pick it up every day to have a little look, you know. Um, and I know I have, I have some people who've got in touch when they've bought the book to say that they just can't stop looking through it, you know, and they've, they've got such a lot out of it. Um, I started recently, uh, a couple of years ago, writing little passages with the artwork, when, when I, especially when I posted on, on LinkedIn, um, where I give a little explanation. And the explanations to the work are always quite ambiguous. So even though I've put some words down about what it's about, you can still read those words in on different levels and the titles often are the same. So you can try and work out from a title, but it's like a slippery title. It doesn't really pin it down one way or the other. Um, so, so the meanings, um, yeah, I'll give suggestions and then people can kind of start there and then take it you know, wherever they want after that. Before I let you go, I asked this question of all of my guests. Um, are you reading, watching or listening to anything interesting at the moment? Uh, well, books are a huge thing in our house. Mm -hmm. my, my husband works for a, a publisher and um, and ever since my son was tiny, he's he's a book boy. So it's fantastic. He just, we, in fact, we start, we, we go to the library now because we can't keep up with his book demands. So our house is full of books. Um, and so I've just finished reading um, Carlo of Nausgaard's The Morning Star fantastic book if you've never read any of his books uh, before just the way he sort of weaves this story about this uh this this star that appears in the sky it's a very strange kind of concept but it's told in the um in chapters to do with different groups of people that kind of half link but not you know they kind of just pass by each other in in their lives they're kind of connected by this this star that's appearing 
Um, it's a great, great book, big, big long book. It was excellent. Um, I've just finished that. Um, I'm watching the second season of of The Bear. Um, I don't know if you've watched that uh, on on uh, it's the, Netflix. This is the restaurants, is it? The restaurant one, yeah, absolutely fantastic, brilliant acting. Um, and um, musically, um, I went to see John Grant a couple of years ago. Um, play live at the Peace Hall in Halifax. And he was, I can't get his music out of my head now at all. It's just there. So though I listen to lots of different things, I guess I can't shake him out of my head. Um, so yeah, that's my music. Claire, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It was a real pleasure to have you on board and give us all your inspiration. Thanks so much, Ken. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you too. And, um, you know, it's it's a good thing for an artist to sit down, like I said, and reflect, giving me a bit more reflective time. That's brilliant. Um, it's nice to know that we can do that. And we can inspire artists. If I can inspire artists, that's something good. <laughs> I'm working on my project, you know. Um, <laughs> so just to let um, our listeners know, we'll put all of the um, books and uh, we were talking about Claire's book and we'll put that in the show notes as well, as well as links to Claire's beautiful website. You really need to get over there and get it downloaded or either connected up to your big 50-inch TV screen and that's the best way to view Claire's images because that's actually as close as you're going to get to them being on your wall um, and hopefully you, they'll be inspired to maybe get their hands on a few because it's just a, it's just a, a wonderful, colourful, bright element to any open scene. So I say keep it off your TV your PC and put it onto your TV screen. That's the best way. I'm sure you'll agree on that, Claire. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay you've been listening to the comfortable spot my name is ken sweeney uh, thanks so much for joining us today and we will be with you very soon so take care y'all bye-bye